Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to a podcast well, from the Word. There was, uh, we went to the Pyongyang Maternity Hospital yeah. to examine their, uh, the latest Soviet equipment. They're, still, they're using Soviet equipment. Oh, yeah. How late is the latest Soviet equipment? It's probably from the 1970s. Is it made of Bakelite? It's pretty, it's pretty old. We went mm. to see a, a pig farm. Mm-hmm. We went to the uh, Museum of American Atrocity. Uh, that's pretty good. Well, was that, was that just the, the entire history of the uh, the American continent? Uh, just as far as its relations with North Korea go. What was your yeah, favourite atrocity? <laughs> well, the because they don't have any pictures, any photographs. They've done paintings of what they think happened. Blimey. So you, there'll be a picture of a, a young North Korean girl being savagely beaten by, a North, by an American with wild, demonic eyes. Dear God. That kind of thing. So uh, <laughs> have they referenced contemporary events, i.e. 9-11? No, 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 it's all based on the Korean War and that kind of thing. Oh, uh, OK. You are just coming at the end of uh, Fraser Lurie's travelogue. Uh, he's just been on holiday too. Where have you been on holiday too, Fraser? North Korea. North Korea. Yeah. And they let him out as well. They did. And had a splendid time. You're listening to The Word podcast. Um, my name is Andrew Harrison. Um, standing in for Dave Hepworth, who's not particularly well at the moment. Um, on the ones and twos, on the controls, it is... Fraser Lurie. And our special guest for today, much in demand, is the world-famous... It's Eamon Forward, a.k.a. Who He. Who He. <laughs> Welcome to the Word Podcast. Hello. Well, um, yeah, well, sorry we've, we've, uh, we've, we've been absent for a bit because uh, Dave's been slightly under the weather, but we're, we're, we're back um, on your iPods and iTunes and whatever it is. First thing I'm going to talk about today, David Letterman, uh, who has been, uh, the, ch- the famous chat show host David Letterman has been caught in a, fr- a very bizarre situation. Um, he's attempted to be blackmailed by... Uh, someone over in a fair, and he went straight on television and fessed up to it in his show. Yes. Has this ever happened before? Has anybody ever called a blackmailer's bluff and gone on TV and said, yes, I did it? 
I can't, I can't think of any example, but I don't know. What, what are the legalities there? Can you actually say that you're being blackmailed? With the, does the case fall apart if you talk about it in well, public? Well, I, I think he'd done it all after the event. Okay. So, yeah, so he, 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 the he guy did. had been arrested, and then he went on TV. And, right, and okay. And I'm just wondering if that affects the, the evidence or the jury or anything like that. Well, it's, it's America, isn't it? It's different. You know, yeah. you, you, you've got your sort of your free speech thing, which allows you to say all kinds of things you simply couldn't do here, but contempt of court. The bizarre thing is, though, that he actually dealt with the with the blackmail thing in a in a kind of James Bondy way, yeah. with fake checks and tip offs and stakeouts and stuff. And the, and the guy who was blackmailing him over the affair had said that if he didn't come up with the money, he was going to write a screenplay <laughs> and make it into a team, which, which seems very, very well, no, that's media obvious, New York. Well, obviously, that's a, a kind of a media New York way to do things, but it was mm. probably going to be stuck in, quote, development hell for about 20 years, so Letterman would probably be dead by the time it got commissioned and made. Yeah, absolutely. I, what I thought was interesting about it was that um, it's, it's kind of an example of can humour get you out of anything? He, he, he filled his show with, with one-liners. He said, oh, yeah. You know, I've been shoveling leaves today. Uh, you know, the weather does turn. It's chilly outside my house. It's chilly inside my house. There was, a, you know, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of this kind of stuff. I, th- I think it, obviously people were expecting them to uh, make light of it and be funny about it, but there is a real danger that it, it kind of replicates the Angus Deaton uh, "Have I Got News for You" thing, yeah. where the whole show just became about the what was it? Was it cocaine and? Um, prostitutes, basically. Yeah. And then the whole show eventually just kind of became about him and uh, uh, they were all having a dig at him and stuff. And it, it, it kind of overshadowed the show. So if he kind of, if he addresses it for a couple of nights, which are, people are expecting him to do, yeah. and he does it in a silver face and way, yeah, that's fine. But if he drags this out, I think it'll probably, because it kind of effectively ruined Angus Deaton's career. Well, isn't the funny thing that happened there, though, was that clearly, uh, you know, Merton and his lot, with, they wanted him off the show. They absolutely tore him to shreds. They, they thought that, that he could not in any way continue hosting this show where they basically took the piss out of people for, for their infidelity yeah, and yeah. failures. Yeah, but there whereas, is no moral high ground. Yeah, whereas Letterman is a slightly different thing. He's, he's, he's doing it to himself. He's sort of standing yeah, up on well, TV saying, I did all these terrible things. Well, if, 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 you, if he says all those terrible things about him, he's got in there before anybody else, so you cannot win me because I said it first. He's, al- he's also trying to minimise the damage. I mean, his line is very much that the blackmail is much, much worse than whatever it is that he did wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. He's, and and he, 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 the way he apologised, it wasn't really an apology, it was more of an explanation. But the way yeah. he did it was very interesting because he, he kept on saying, I've done terrible things and I've been blackmailed and it's awful, the stuff I've done, and by the way, I've just slept with some people. And it kind of made it feel small, you know. Yeah. And but it, didn't, didn't, didn't the audience kind of think when he initially mentioned it that it was some kind of skit? He was going to go yeah, into yeah. his top towns? Yeah, or it, it was never made clear that this was serious news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the other chat show hosts are getting, uh, getting good mileage out of it. Jay Leno uh, started a show by saying, if you came here tonight for sex with a talk show host, you're in the wrong studio. <laughs> I, can, I can promise the, uh, the listeners of the word podcast that there's none of that kind of shenanigans goes on, on this, this talk show. But I'm, I'm open for offers. Eamon's open for offers. You, uh, get him on the <laughs> open Twitter. Open for business. Open for business, yes. www.twitter.com forward slash Eamon underscore Ford. That's right, yes. Uh, and don't forget, of course, to follow the word on the Twitter. Upon the Twitter, as Dr. That's, Johnson that's, says. Yes, that, that was so smooth. Uh, yeah, By the way, can I, can I interrupt at this point? Because I've got a little gift. I, I thought I'd be doing a little experiment. <laughs> the last time I came in here, when uh, uh, Diva was here, I, I brought some finger fudges, I believe. So this time <laughs> I bought three different oh. sweets. And I will let uh, Andrew and Fraser decide what they want. And I think that we can kind of uh, draw some parallels about their personality. We've got a Freddy, Freddo Frog. We've got a Chump, 15p. And we've got some Tom Jerry candy sticks. 
Stickerettes. Can I, can I bags you the chomp? Because it's, it's a sweet that's close to my heart. There I you go. I, I love a good chomp. <laughs> well, I've heard that rumour. It's a 15p, it says on it. I think it's a brave consumer product that puts its price on the wrapper. Absolutely. You never know how much things are going to cost these days, do you? So that's, no. They're nailing their colours to the, to the confectionery. They are. They're, 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 they've got the retailers by the short and coolies. Indeed. I, I would have gone for the chomp as well. But I'll, in, right. in the absence of that, I'll have the frog, please. You can have the frog. Okay, I will have the candy stick. Substitute cigarettes. Uh, Fraser, can you tell us about the uh, confectionery you bought back from the people? Republic of North Korea, please. Do they have sweets there? Uh, or no, is it just a pebble? I bought back some, uh, <laughs> some Vietnamese sweets, which are made from durian fruit and coconut. And some What's kind a of durian leaf. fruit? What does it, the durian fruit smell of, Fraser? It's, it, it's a strange fruit. It smells of an open sewer, yet tastes of vanilla or apple pie. Mm. Is that some kind of sexual euphemism? <laughs> I really don't know. But these sweets are revolting. It actually oh. does smell like poo, doesn't yeah, it, really? And it repeats. So yeah. a, a disgusting thing I saw last night, which you will know, being a Kiwi... Was the uh, it was the last chance to see thing with Stephen Fry? Oh, that's and they had right, the, yeah. they had this bug called the the wetter. Is that right? The wetter, yeah, it's like yeah. an earwig, but six inches long. Yeah, it was long. enormous, a terrifying thing. But Peter Jackson's called his special effects company after it because he was terrified of it as a kid. And then in King Kong, I think he kind of made kind of Alsatian-sized wetter things because yeah. it was the most terrifying thing. It was kind of like a giant fat grasshopper. They're everywhere. I used to have them in the garden growing up. Can yeah. you eat them? I'd, I'd never heard of them. You probably on, can. Not they're only, they they're indigenous to New Zealand, aren't yes, they? Yes, yeah. Or, and is it the South Island just? Or no, we up? had them in the North. Right, OK. You're yeah. listening to the National Geographic <laughs> podcast <laughs> by the Word magazine. Yeah. We are a rock and roll magazine, uh, yeah. you, you, you may recall. And segueing seamlessly, we have a beautiful piece <laughs> in the new issue, do we not, about a book which contains the names of every known metal band. Yeah. Every known... I think it's actually called Every Known Metal Band, isn't it? That's all it is. It's it, a list. It's uh, all... You know, all known metal bands. is published by McSweeney's and costs fourteen ninety nine. We have... Fraser thoughtfully photocopied a few pages. Why don't you read the readers some metal band names, Fraser? What have you got? Well, I think we should probably take some turns. I'll start with uh, Anal Afterbirth. That's nice. Uh, I've got, uh, you've given me the anal page again, uh, I've got uh, Anarchy Divine, Ancestor's Blood, and of course, let's not forget, Amputated Christ. I'm going to go back for some more uh, anals. <laughs> <laughs> anal Thrust, Anal Torture, Anal Vomit. Anal Vomit's lovely. What have you got there? Well, I'm, I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking this is like my Twitter feed over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. I like Anatomy of Sadness. Because it's, oh, it's not very tough. It sounds very emo. Yeah, it does. Uh, you can see them sort of uh, having sort of Hitler haircuts, can't you, and pale yeah, faces. Sadness and... is not really... You would kind of want misery or something quite kind of... Uh, one of those words that kind of grabs you by the throat, but um, sadness is a bit wow. Well, you expect, you know, anatomical necropsy, for instance, is one of the ones I've got. I've got the A's here, obviously. You, you expect it to be more kind of Sturm und Drang. In fact, Sturm yeah. und Drang are probably in there, aren't they? Um, I, don't are, see, yes. I don't see any umlauts there either. No, I yeah, it's there's, there's quite like an end to flesh. An end to flesh, yeah. yeah. Mm. There's two analogues spilled the American way, which is nice. There's also uh, there's something called Ancestors' Blood, but there's no apostrophe, so we don't know if it's Ancestors' singular or Ancestors' plural. And there's also... There's two I, I, I think we need clarification. We do, yeah. Pep's if if Ancestors' Blood are listening. Yes. Or maybe they could do a rival band, and then it's a, it's a debate over the possession of the apostrophe. It's possession of the apostrophe? I'd go and see them. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic thing. We are possession of the apostrophe. That sounds like a fall album, isn't it? It certainly does. Well, yeah. There's, there's two different spellings of anaphylaxy. My word. It's probably the American one or the English one, it I would It probably thought. is, yeah. Now, Eamon, you had a metal phase in your youth, and so did oh, you, Fraser. Yeah. You both did, metal yeah. up to the eyeballs. What makes, a good what makes a good metal band name? 
I, th- I think it's more the shape of the logo. It's, it's you need angles. You need points and angles. The yeah. classic, classic metal logos are, without a doubt, ACDC and yes. Motorhead are, without a doubt, the classic Iron Maiden to an extent. But there's, there's plenty of them. There was the UFO logo with the little lightning strikes. Yeah. 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 Saxon, where the S was the uh, uh, hatchet shaped. There's a, there's a brand so of fire to... engine called the Saxon, and the logo on the back of it looks just like the Saxon metal band logo. Yeah. For years, I thought, wow, heavy metal's really big with firemen, isn't it? <laughs> Biff Byford. Biff Byford. Like Put out fires, yeah. In the Leeds area. Possibly with gasoline. Mm. Yeah, we th- yeah, you can imagine, you know, those guys, real men, you know. Rocking out. As, as, long as, as long as we don't get great white to put out fires. No. Oh, that was a teaseless joke. Oh, it was. Yeah. So, your, in your, your metal phase, was the quality of the logo determined by how easy it was to etch upon a satchel in Magic Marker? Or possibly embroider, in my case. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I had a That's not very metal. It wasn't it? very metal. They made no. their own entertainment in New Zealand, obviously. But I, um, I, I had a denim cutoff on which I'd embroidered an enormous great black Sabbath coffin Ooh. on the back. Fantastic metal yeah. embroidery. I bet they're in Very, the book as well. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. Embro- embroidery of, of sadness, yes. as called. So I thought it was. You see, I never had a metal phase. It was kind of frowned on in my in my neighbourhood. Um, but it did seem to be more about patches than, uh, than than embroidery. Generally speaking, yes, I had patches as well. But the centerpiece was this magnificent piece of embroidery. Fantastic. Like I think I think I think metal is very much a rural thing. I don't know. Yes, if it this, is, yeah. It's not very. It's not. A, it's not an urban subculture. I think everybody that I know who kind of had a metal past, uh, like people who grew up in kind of rural Wales, like Perry, who is a mutual yeah. friend of Andrew, you know, is plays uh, massive the fire and pendulum, clang, clang, clang our, 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 our friend. Yeah. Uh, he had a massive, massive metal fan, but he kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere. And I grew up, like, literally, I grew up miles from electricity. I, 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 grew, <laughs> up, I grew up kind of 20, 20 years behind everybody else. Did you, in your mind, have a fantasy band, a fantasy metal band? Uh, no, I, were I, they I, called Miles from Electricity? No, we, we, at university we, had to, we were tasked with coming up with the name of our ideal band, and my ideal band was called Kickstart the Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> which, which comes from, it was, it was something that we were, it was a long-running joke about uh, a giant chess set, where all the chess sets were petrol-powered, and then I said, oh, let's go and play a game of chess, I'm just off to Kickstart the Bishop. Good God. So that became my... I, I, I've still got time. You still have got did time. You, did you draw a logo? No, no, no. It's, it, 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 it's purely a, a, band of, a, a band of the mind. Right. Kickstart the Bishop. I've, I've registered the name and everything. Have you got the .co.uk as well as the .com? Oh, yeah, and .net. Fantastic. And .org. .org, yeah. .biz. And .gov. <laughs> God. Well, yeah, metal. Mm. Now, moving... Why, why, why didn't you like metal? I didn't like... Were you too busy kind of... Looking at plunky keyboards and trying to be uh, fat. Uh, well, sort of. I mean, it was. I I I just got in under the door of the of of, of punk rock. I was sort of if I'd been if it was six months older, I would definitely have been a trog, and I would have had a uh, you know, uh, you know, cap sleeve t-shirts and uh, patches and sacks and all the rest of it. All the kids in the year above me were all very metal. Like you, Vivian were, were from you, the Young Ones. Were you but, kind of off the edge for the most unwieldy acronym ever, the new wave of British heavy metal? New Wobbum. Yes. Um, from Sounds. No, well, I was off that age. Because that was it, kind of late 70s, early. It was kind of as punk went into new wave, then there was a kind of rise of metal, so early Iron Maiden and Def Leppard and Saxon. Yeah. Well, what happened around our way in the northwest of England was it was all Bully Men and Teardrops and Specials and Madness um, and Mod. So you, had, you had your local heroes. We, yeah, yeah, we had, we had a mixture of local heroes and, 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 and Mod. 
odd things, but um, when when Nuobum arrived, all the older kids, because like punk had sort of begun to stultify a little bit, Nuobum arrived, and the older kids were able to say, "Hey, look, we were right all along. Look, tigers of Pantang. Hey, <laughs> look at that. Hey, what's your answer to that? You know, the exploited and the angelic upstart. Yeah. Um, Listen to some praying mantis, man. Absolutely. <laughs> who else? Who else? The, 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 the superstars of Nuobum. The Tigers of Pantang was one that stuck out in my mind. Well, kind of Iron Maiden and Def Leppard were, were the kind of the, the front stars, runners, yeah. really. They were the ones that kind of went on to have international success. It was about like Samson. Do you remember yeah. the Samson? Yeah. And, uh, were, were famous fire, fire engine metal band Saxon part of New Album? I guess they were. Yeah, they were quite kind of traditional, though. And then way. there was kind of bands who'd been around for a while, and they, and they kind of end up being part of the same movement, like Judas Priest. Yeah, yeah. well, they were kind of precursors to that. In the seventies, but they ended up being part of the same kind of scene. I think. Yeah. You're listening to the Pete Frame Family <laughs> Tree podcast uh, via, via the Word magazine. Where is Saxon band? Where is Saxon band? But listen, remember we had the new wave of new wave. Yes. Smash these animal men. Yeah. Oh my thing. word! Why did we never have the new wave? The new wave of British heavy metal. Surely demographics insist that we've got to have the New Walwood, New Wobble. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know who the leading light would be. Perhaps we could uh, ring up Karang. Possibly, yeah. Them. I don't know. You probably could have like tagged Ash and all that lot as the New Walwood, New Wobble, couldn't you? Well, surely when the darkness came along, they would have been ideal con- candidates for that kind of thing. They were kind of the new wave of British shit, weren't they? Rather than anything <laughs> else. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, oh dear, that went well. Well, well. well done on that second yes. album, lads. Steel Panther Retro Tribute Band, yeah. via a time hole. Yes. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Let's stop talking about heavy metal. Let's stop talking about Lily Allen versus the internet. She's having a go. She's having well, the inter- yeah, she's having a go against the against the internet. And the internet's had a go right back, and 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 it looks like Lily has come off worse in. I think disgraceful circumstances. Eamon Ford, music business expert. Why don't you just bring us up to speed, as I believe they say. Her old Lily Allen, yeah. Well, she, she's kind of come out, and she's done the thing that artists aren't supposed to do, which is to say, file sharing is quite bad. Yes. Uh, she criticised an organisation of uh, musicians called the Featured Artists Coalition. So it's had up by people like Billy Bragg and Dave from Blur and Ad from Radiohead. And they kind of had this agenda where they were very much opposed to disconnections and they didn't want to sue file sharers which is what the record companies were kind of doing. Uh, Lily Allen came out in a blog and she said, "This it's all right for the likes of Radiohead and Pink Floyd to say, we don't really care because they're millionaires. Yeah. But new artists like her are finding it really hard to make money to sell records. And she mm-hmm. said two albums in, she'd only just pay back or advances to the labels. That's somebody yeah. of her stature. And that This ignited this massive, massive debate. And I think what... Her initial intentions were incredibly good, and I I, yeah. I, I I agree pretty much with everything she said. The bad thing was that it just it got piled on by loads of people. First of all, James Blunt wrote a piece in the Times saying I agree with Lily Allen, yeah. so all credibility and all cool was immediately <laughs> gone. All these yeah. naff naff artists came out, and but should these things be decided on who's cool or not? I mean, the world is full of incredibly cool people who haven't got a clue. You're no, an idiot. Ab- absolutely, but if you're going to have a multi-millionaire successful pop star coming out whinging about the damage that file sharing is doing, they're going to get no sympathy. And I think this is a message that the music mm. industry's tried to get across for years, and the tone of it's always been wrong. It's always been... It's reinforced this idea that it's just millionaire pop stars yeah. moaning and, and all the rest of it. So you actually had 
a young artist coming out in the early stages of a career going, I'm, I'm making money, but I'm not as comfortable as whoever else. Yeah. And I think this is bad. Obviously, it got piled on because she referenced some other blog that she hadn't properly accredited it, and there was uh, mm. some dispute over the licensing issues of a mixtape that she yeah. was making available she, she, she had, and stuff. She's got mixtapes on her site, hasn't she? Yeah. And, um, this contain this is music from other artists as well as our own. Yeah, yeah. And they the, the the message board brigade jumped on her and said, She's a hypocrite. She's a hypocrite. Therefore her arguments are entirely null and void. Oh, absolutely. Well, what, what, what happens is that this debate, it, it, it opens the floodgates for people who have literally got no understanding of intellectual property uh, or copyright laws. And it's incredibly complex. It's something that I've spent pretty much 10 years professionally writing about, and mm. I wouldn't even dare suggest I'm an expert on this. So mm. you've suddenly got kind of idiots, basically, kind of pontificating about how they understand what copyright is and how intellectual property should apply in 2009 and so forth, and they're completely ill-informed. They've basically got this argument that everything should be free and yeah. everything's everybody's, but they don't actually understand that intellectual property laws were there for commercial reasons, because yeah. there's a business around this. How, how on earth do records get made? Yeah. Like, our, our, there's studio time, there's production costs, there's investment, there's loads of things. Record companies, only 10% of the acts that they sign actually make money. So yeah. it's a massively high-risk business, and everybody should, for an honest day's work and for creating a piece of art, should get paid for it. I'd, I'd, there's lots of people just jumped on this bandwagon to say that everything should be free, and, oh, it's just the eve, it's the man keeping us down, man. What struck me about it, more, more than anything, was that the sort of, kind of, bitter and kind of... You know, almost misogynistic oh, tone no, of the attack. It was really horrible. It was you know, completely that, misogynistic. That she's a silly little girl, and uh, you know, Bob left set saying she's not pretty enough to make it in America, and all this kind of really nasty oh, stuff. God. So well, she basically got shouted down well, and bullied uh, off the internet. I, th I, th I think it's I think it's shameful because Lily Allen is, without a doubt, one of the best pop stars this country's produced in twenty years. Yeah. easily, Fan yeah. fascinating yeah. character, really good music. She's got kind of credibility and crossover appeal. She's an interesting person. She's got stories. She's got opinions. And you're right. There was a massive, massive streak of misogyny just going through all that. Like, what does this stupid girl know? She was put to, uh, like, she, uh, all her songs were assembled by record companies. She's not an artist. She's yeah. just, a, she's just a, a dull celebrity. She's actually an incredibly erudite uh, person, really yeah. good lyricist. Yeah. And... I think she, for her to come out and say that was an incredibly brave thing. And I think she, once she realised how ugly it got and just how ugly the internet can be yeah. uh, and how nasty it can be, she actually she, she kept dignity intact. She kind of retreated it a little bit. But she, but she took her blog down, doesn't she? She took her blog down and, yeah. and, and this led the kind of... Yeah, the message board brigade to say, well, we've won. We've won yeah. the argument. Well, well, they haven't won the argument. I know. What, what she did was she came out uh, against the Featured Artist Coalition uh, and she said that it's all right for them to say that there's no disconnections and so forth. And she changed their position. She changed mm. their political position where they said that they were now in favour of technical measures, which is kind of throttling. So people can you can't explain what that means? Basically, I would what, like to throttle some of yeah. these people, but that's actually not what it means. Basically, uh, there was an argument. There's, there's various arguments about disconnection and is this an infringement of human rights? Where, where you've got the prime minister saying that it's a democratic right for people to have access to the internet, etc. Yeah, people talking about people being blocked from the internet because they've downloaded. Yeah. So what what the featured artists coalition have said, rather than actually cut off their connection, even though they were going to get a series of warnings, uh, it was to slow down the their connections so they can still get basic access. They can still look on websites. They can still get email. But if they're trying to upload and download three, four, five megabyte 
files are even bigger if they're kind yeah. of torrent and film sites. They'll kind of it'll be so slow that'll actually work like dial-up for them. So it'll yeah. be so slow it'll become frustrating. Sentence to so, dial-up. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, <laughs> yeah. So you're you're almost getting kind of the internet light in mm. a way. You've still got access to the information, so it's not that whole dispute about you. You're being denied access to information, and it's uh, an infringement of your uh, civil liberties and so forth. So the Features Arts Coalition has now come out and said, in extreme cases, they're in favour of that. So Lily Allen, complete within two weeks, had changed their position. So I think Lily Allen ultimately won. So Lily Allen won. We can write that I, down I, officially. I, 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 I say, I say she won. I think she she got what she she opened up this massive debate. She put it in the public domain, and she retrieved it from it, saying that she'd done. I think she posted something along the lines of the Featured Artists Coalition have changed their position. Yeah. My work here is done. So, so she, she, she did in two weeks what she said out today. So Lily Allen won, Pirate Party nil, says internet expert Eamon Ford. No, but I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't write off the Pirate Party because they've uh, massively popular in Sweden. It was like 7% of the vote. In the German elections, the Pirate Party got... 2% of the vote, they fell short of the required 5% to take a seat in the German Parliament. But, because they got 2% of the vote, they now get government aid to the tune of a million euros. So you've now got, with, with the way the um, uh, German political parties work, you now have the government, or you have the, the country is now given over a million euros to this uh, party, which is on a, working on a flimsy premise of saying that oh, everything should be free yeah. and... Uh, if you don't think so, you're a fascist, which is probably somewhat ironic to be uh, <laughs> But it's, it, that, the party kind of sprung out of Sweden, which yeah. is uh, Sweden's got a very kind of unique kind of take on things uh, about kind of freedom and access to the internet and technology yeah. and so forth. But there's kind of official pirate parties have launched in the UK and there's, they've just launched in Australia so it's spreading. So I wouldn't kind of discount that. And they're, yeah. they're very much going for the youth vote. Yeah, very much so. Do we think that the general public is kind of is kind of getting a better understanding now that maybe like hey free everything is not particularly workable or particularly even particularly desirable, or do we think people are now do we, do we think people expect that the voice of the message board kind of zealots is actually the voice of the general public? What do we think, don't, or don't we know? I, don't, I think the voice of the uh, message board zealot, unfortunately, is the, is the loudest. And I think yeah. going back to what Eamon said about Lily Allen winning, and I think she did win. But nobody knows it. But nobody knows yeah, it. And they, everyone they think they want. Yeah. And they can read a million people saying she's wrong and she's lost. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to become one of our message boards, <laughs> please visit www.wordmagazine.co.uk where you get a fine, far higher, finer class of debate, don't you? Yeah. you... And uh, can, can I point out to anybody who writes on the internet, writing in caps locks does not mean that you've won. No. Yes. No. And please never say lol. Yes. It, it, this, it, this is considered to be bad form. On our site at the moment, one of the steaming hot topics um, is, I love a good live album, don't you? A fantastic topic started by, where is he? Started by user Rocker43. <laughs> Hello, Rocker43. Hello, 43. You're better I wonder, than Rocker44. He's a rocker fella. Oh, oh, yeah, well, I mean, his, his, the live albums he likes, ACDC, if you want blood, you've got it. More live something. at Leeds. Humble Pie at the Fillmore, Thin Lizzy Live in Danger. Say one thing for Rocker 43, he does what it says on the tin, doesn't he? Yeah. He's not disguising his, uh, his, 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 his preferences. We have other nominations from Plum 109, Elvis Costello, Live at the Macambo, apparently coming out properly, no longer a bootleg. Badger King says, Stop Making Sense. Slot Badger. A lot of badgers on the board for some reason. Why is this? Oh, I thought that was a band. I was going to, uh, who's this hot new band called Slot Badger? No, Slot Badger <laughs> suggests Rank by the Smiths. Good old Slot Badger. Yeah. Goose Fat 101 gives us Nirvana Unplugged and Live Seeds by Nick Cave. Um, the live album surely should be 
in a new golden age, shouldn't it? Because it's the golden age of live. It's the only bit of the music industry making any money. And yet, you know, where are it, the instant it's live just passes? Going back to uh, the metal years again, when, oh. I, when I grew up, the live albums were the classic albums by all these bands. Mm, you know, mm. if you wanted a Deep Purple album, it was live at the Budokan. Mm. If it was the Live Scorpions album, it was the one they'd done at the same venue. Why in, was in, that? in a way, I think that was... I think it was because people didn't have much disposable income and you were effectively getting the greatest hits yeah. in one... It was kind of before a contract feeling greatest hits for a yep. lot of these bands. So you were getting all the tracks that you needed to hear kind of performed kind of as they signed it in the studio. Yeah. Uh, so kind of you 2 did that. I remember well, I wrote that piece uh, a couple of months ago about Bono, about... Um, under Blood Red Sky was kind of the the album everybody uh, yeah. my age just got bought because it was effectively a little greatest hit. I had New Year's Day and Sunday Bloody Sunday. Up until that point, it was a nice little compact kind yeah. of over in production. So a lot of people, a lot of people I know got into U two through that album because it was yeah. it was massively discounted. It was kind of if albums were four quid at that point, it was three quid yeah. Yeah. for the cassette. So you could buy, you actually could get. And know the tracks. See, me, me never being metal and never being rock, I could never understand why you wanted, you know, badly played versions of songs you already know with a load of shouting all over them. Well, they generally weren't badly played. I mean, I think yeah. Eamon's probably got a story about this album, but another classic album is this Live and Dangerous by Thin Lizzy, which is the definitive Thin Lizzy mm-hmm. album. Yes. Um, I, 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 I wheeled this one. I, I <laughs> Wheel it out again. I, I think this the is creaking horror. Is <laughs> yes, yeah, it's the horror. Yes, no, I, I, I've, I've quoted this in a, in a, pre, in a pos- podcast passim. Uh, which was Live and Dangerous was produced by Tony Viscondi who I interviewed a couple of years ago and he said basically the only thing that's live on that is the crowd noise because uh, Phil Lynott had uh, come, they'd heard the tapes were going to put this album out and he, Phil Lynott had always been a bit suspicious of his ability to play bass and sing at the same time so he, he wanted to play his bass lines over it again yeah. and then he wanted to kind of tidy up his vocals and then the rest of the band kind of heard about that and they went oh can we redo our guitar solos and drums and all the rest of it. So they effectively rebuilt the album, instrument by instrument, in the studios. Was it a bit like the episode of Father Ted where there's a dent in the car? Yes. And they try and knock the dent out, and then they they put another one in, and before long the car looks like... Well, it doesn't look like, you know, the thin Lizzie Lyons is live and dangerous, but it's, you know... Mm. Yeah, so that classic album, none of it's live. So why aren't there? Where, where are the classic live albums of now? I mean, I have a theory. You were you didn't see the Pixies this week, did yes. you? And they were saying buy the album of the show immediately. It was no. I, I love the Pixies, as I wrote in this month's issue. I I adore the band, but they I saw them last night at Brixton, where they did uh, do little in order mm. and associated B sides and a couple of other tracks, and they had a big scream at the back. It was all very nice, but. it was these messages all the way before they came on stage kind of going you can download the uh, the tonight's performance pre-order now and it was this mm. massive massive that's not very pixies that is it but they, they were the first band to do this really it was uh, through a company called uh, I think it's called Instant Live hmm. uh, on their reunion tours which is basically you get the, the sound uh, the show mix, pulled down onto the mixing desk and then you can kind of pre-order it and they boom the CDs there Yeah, and you can do uh, and then you can kind of uh, as a download so lots of bands are doing that as a kind of ancillary revenue stream as they would probably refer to it Blur did it uh, for, for their Hyde Park reunion Yeah, so there's loads of companies like Be Here Live and Instant Live and Sandbag there's all these companies that kind of do these so I got one of these I would see Madness at the Hackney Empire when they did their, their comeback show and you could get the album as a USB wristband 
So I bought the USB wristband. It's very novel, very exciting. And, and you kind of get the new... The live performance or yeah. the new album? The, 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 the live performance of the right. show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, you know, I dearly love Madness. They're probably my favourite band. But this, you know, it was straight off the mixing desk. It was pretty shoddy. It was pretty kind of, you know, it hadn't been given the Thin Lizzy live and dangerous tarting up kind of thing. Yeah. And much as I love the new songs, it was a bit kind of like, this is not really what you want from a live record. I have a suspicion <coughs> that all this kind of instance, uh, you know, it's available on the night, you know, every show on the tour. Everybody's turned into Pearl Jam now, making every show available. Um, it's a problem both of, of glut, so there's too much stuff to get your head around. Yeah. And it doesn't get the kind of loving treatment that you would get when, when somebody only did one live album. Yeah. So none of these things are becoming cherishable. They're kind of yeah. like a souvenir. Live albums fine. used to be career-defining, and yeah. now they're not. They're, yeah. they're, and now they're, they're like, they're like T-shirts. I, yeah. think, I think live albums also, and this is kind of from my experience growing up as a teenager, was live albums were very much for me about wish fulfilment. I was yeah. growing up in Northern Ireland in the 80s, and nobody played. Yeah. And I lived 40 miles from Belfast, and you would get like three decent gigs a year. And it was kind of it was like so I didn't really get to see that much live music yeah. growing up. So live albums were kind of like a substitute yeah. uh, for me to kind of go that kind of I wish I was there. I wish, I wish I was in the crowd. But now kind of people are probably going to see bands live more than they would actually buy the records. Yeah, so people go and see bands live on spec now, don't they? It used to be you'd only go and yeah. see them if you really love them, and now so, you go because you're not doing anything on a Thursday yeah, and there's so somebody there's, on. So that wish fulfilment's not really there anymore because they're constantly playing, and all those classic bands have reformed and they've they've come back. So yeah. I, I don't uh, that the kind of specialness has gone unless you do something really really unique, which uh, you'd reference one of the albums there, the Nirvana Unplugged, yeah, which was a complete con- took what they were all about and completely flipped it. And the fact that half of that album was cover versions. It was like, there's three Meat Puppet songs on yeah. there. Yeah. There's a Lad Belly song. There's Vaseline. a Bowie song. Yeah. There's a Vaseline song on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Jesus Don't Want Me For yeah. Some Beep. So half the album was cover versions yeah. of stuff that they it's, really, it's really It's like love. a new album, really, yeah. isn't it? Like and it, is, it, is, it is an astonishingly good album. It is one of those albums that you can kind of listen to again and again. and Because yeah. uh, it, it casts a whole new light on the band. It's not just... They've done other live albums... Uh, of the kind of their electric shows and they're they're all right, but this one it just seems special because it was so different. What are our favourite live albums then? I can tell you what my least favourite live album. Come is. on then, I used to share a flat with a Numenoid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a half man half biscuit song. Yeah. There was one, and uh, he'd been at the recording of a, a live Gary Newman album, I, th- I believe, from Hammersmith Odeon, and uh, would play it every morning to wake morning. himself up. Yeah, he would put it on at seven thirty and, and listen to it till quarter to nine every single morning. Good God. Well, great, it's a, it's a great volume. new meaning out of it. I don't know, because he'd been there and it felt special to him. And, it, of course, it didn't feel very special to me after <laughs> 18 months of this. Which one do you like? Which one do I like? Uh, probably Deep Purple, Live in Japan, uh, the Budokan album. Simply nobody, nobody plays Live at the Budokan anymore. It's it's not, used to be, used to yeah, everybody, yeah. Live at the Budokan. Yeah. My favourite, I, I could be really obvious and say Dylan 66, the Albert Hall, but that's a bit too obvious. I think one of the first album, live albums that I really genuinely loved was Dream Latter, the live Tim Buckley double yeah. album from 68, 69 from London. It's a fantastic, fantastic album where he does this uh, really long version of Pleasant Street, which kind of goes into, morphs into uh, Keep Me Hanging On. And yeah. it's just a beautiful, Is that the, beautiful is that the album. album with a really low-key introduction? Yeah, it's got to go, yeah, yeah just uh, has to come on to uh, introduce uh, Tim. <laughs> he shuffles on, and it's a beautiful, it's a double album. Yeah. And they reissued, or they issued, I think, tail end of the... 
it must be in the early 90s when I kind of had discovered, I discovered Tim Buckley about a year and a half before Jeff Buckley came out. So he, Jeff Buckley was always Tim Buckley's son, but now it's kind yeah. of flipped the other way where Tim Buckley's kind of, he's seen as the secondary one. Yeah. But it's a, a fantastic, beautiful album. It, it was just at the point where he was kind of changing his style, going kind of folk rock into this really kind of avant-garde jazz stuff. Yeah. And it kind of captures that moment. I think it's, that's probably my favourite live yeah. album. I like I like Kraftwerk's Minimum Maximum because that's that is, a fantastic. That's one. exactly like that created, and of course, Stop Making Sense because that that is another one where yeah. actually defined them was probably better than the records they made in the studio. Yeah, well, what, what, what do you think of that? There's David Byrne's Giant Suit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. and the and the, the Ghetto Blast thing, and the one the incredibly unfashionable one, but but is still brilliant. Um, is Aswad live at the Notting Hill Carnival, the oh, most yeah. exciting record you will ever hear from the I'm least there. exciting band you can imagine. <laughs> wow. It's worth worth the hey. It's worth digging out. You can probably get it for fifty p in a in a corner shop right now. Well, that brings us, I think, to the end of the of, of the word podcast. Don't forget, you can find us um, in News Agents, new issue available now. Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips on the front, looking very good. You can find us on the internet, www.wordmagazine.co.uk, and you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash the word magazine, all one word. And that's it. Phrase it now. Dub in the cheering crowds. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.